Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Just, just get on into the word of the Lord then as well. Genesis 2 and verse number 8 starting. We're going back to the book of beginnings where all things start. and uh, Maybe uh, a story somewhat familiar to some but maybe not to all. The Bible says the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. and There he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil skipping down to verse number 16 and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Amen. This morning, I want to just get in a little bit of a teaching mode here and just teach about the freedom of choice this morning. And this may be somewhat in tandem based upon where we were last week, but the freedom of choice uh, this morning, if you will, help me today. If we can pray that the Lord would have his purpose today. Lord, I love you this morning. I'm grateful, Lord, for those that have been able to be here today. God, and those not able, Lord, traveling such, we continue to pray their safe hand of protection upon them. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would give us direction this morning. Bring purpose, O oh Lord Jesus, in the next few moments in the words. God, will be spoken in this place. God, will give you, Lord, glory and honor for what you choose and desire to do. Lord, amidst and among your hearers, God, that we could hear, Lord Jesus, with intent. God, what the word of the Lord is speaking to us today, and we'll give you the honor and the praise for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ I pray amen and amen everybody say amen amen Amen. you may be seated this morning Uh, I think uh, last week to a certain degree we came to an understanding that uh, our choices have consequences that a choice and a decision is not made without consequence and I know Uh, in our youth class over the several several years that brother and sister Mason that's kind of been somewhat of a candy stick over the years if I'm not wrong brother Zach McGee that uh, brother Mason has tried to instill into the lives of uh, the young people that has come through here over the past several years that every choice and decision Shauna Wood could even testify to the fact amen that brother Mason the same every choice and decision though he gave them a commandment to abide a certain way they still had the power of choice within themselves what they were going to do with the options that were presented before them. Amen. If you'll just indulge me for those that may be mature in the Lord and you've walked this road several times concerning Genesis, uh, there may be others that have not. And so in the Garden of Eden, we have these two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And one is forbidden, at least by the voice of the Lord, one is forbidden, the the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the other one is permissible the tree of life and so from the very beginning God has provided humanity all that there was at that time Adam and, and Eve a choice amen a choice but he also already began to explain to us that with these choices come 
consequences. With these choices come consequences. He spoke to them that the day that they would eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is a day that they would die. So with choosing that came a consequence. And so he stated that early on in the book of Genesis. And so he's, he's even placing one thing, man, that's just, God, you're kind of you're mean here. You're setting something forbidden among things that are permissible that we're capable of taking. Why would you set something forbidden right there in the middle of all that? Again, God is illustrating his gift of choice that he's given to you and I. Uh, where, there, where there no forbidden tree, there would have been no choice. Had there not been the tree of knowledge, good and evil in the garden, then there would have been no choice because all the other trees man was capable and freely to eat from. So he wasn't really staging for man him having the ability to choose if there wasn't the forbidden among everything that was permissible. And so whenever he puts the forbidden there, he elevates, if you will, a commitment about whether or not we're going to choose what is rightly. Amen, a commitment to do that, that which is right. And, and he, he brings the level of our intentions to, to, to judgment, if you will, of what we intend to do or what we desire to do. And there's just something about, it's, it's a delight to know that God chose me, but there's another delight in knowing that I have, I have accepted or I have chosen the Lord in my walking relationship of my own will, of my own volition, he didn't have me in an arm wrestling match and saying, you are, I have a choice. You have a choice to live for God or a choice not to live for God. But there's something about choosing him that just brings uh, some sweetness to the strains of our praise and worship to the master. Uh, whenever we worship him and adore him, that we have actually chosen him. Now, we make choices every day. Some of it we do mindlessly. We do mindlessly. You get up and you, brush, you choose to brush your teeth, but whether you know it or not, you really do. I think I ran to a few people that chose not to on certain days, but uh, just all things clear that uh, you do make a choice. Some of them you just do mindlessly. When, when you're going to get up, how many times you're going to hit the snooze, if you're going to eat breakfast or if you're not. I, I chose not to eat breakfast this morning. And, and so you make all these choices, a multitude of choices every day. And it seems like the world that we are living in are, are, is making that a little bit more complex. We have more choices now than we could ever dream of. Whenever I ride up to, to signs like at uh, Sonic or, or, or I accompany my wife to a Starbucks and they're advertising things like there's 87 different thousand drink combinations. <laughs> and if you have somebody that's in, in a place that or, or have a hard time making choices, you don't want to take them to those places. <laughs> Sister Penrod would be one person you would not want to take to one of those places. 87,000 different combinations of a drink. You're going to be there all day and close the joint down before there's a choice made. I guarantee you. But these, these, the things concerning these is that choices just sometimes in our world, they just never stop. You know, you, you, you know what color do you want? You, you go to pick out a, a car nowadays, and there's just so many choices, so many different options that just going through the list alone takes up so much time. And so, and there are some choices that are more meaningful than other choices. 
There are some choices that have a whole lot more hinged on them than what some of the choices may have. Some choices we make, their significance is just going to really fade with time. I mean, almost after the moment they're made. It it just, you know, whether I'm going to low my lawnmower just one more degree to mow the grass or leave it at the height it is. You know, (laughs) it isn't really here and it really isn't there. But, but we got to understand, though, again, that our choices have consequences. And for Christians and people, the choices that we make in this life is to understand that the consequences they have may not be for this life only. That's where we need to be deciphering those important choices of life because every choice we make just doesn't affect this life only the 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 reality of the matter is this there are some choices as i spoke last week trying to kind of mend two together there are some choices that have eternal ramifications amen whether i ate breakfast this morning it's not sending me one way or the other okay but there are choices in this life that have eternal ramifications meaning that when this life is over The choice I made back then still has some type of bearing on what's to happen beyond the grave. Amen. Something that's going to, that whenever the earth and all of that even has just been totally wasted away and it is no more that I still have the reality of choices I made in my lifetime that's going to affect the hereafter. Amen. And here's the thing. No one can dictate for you your standing in God. No one can dictate for you your standing in God. It is something that you have as a gift to God to make up your own mind. So within the Garden of Eden, there are a couple of trees. And the amazing thing about God in his desire to have a relationship with us, I want you to know that he does desire that. He desires to have a relationship with you. He wants you to be able to reciprocate that and want a relationship with him. But the the, the thing of the matter is this. Choice has been made a part of this relationship with God. He is not going to pressure himself upon us or demand that you're going to serve me and be faithful. No, 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 no. It's going to be based upon the human will of choice. And so presented within the Garden of Eden, he presents two unique trees that are placed there that are nothing more but a choice that's provided for mankind to make. And this is what the Bible says. If you look at verse number nine again, the Bible says, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Folks, we cannot even begin to comprehend what Eden was like. I mean, the Bible says he made every tree that was pleasant to grow in that garden. Every tree that was good for food. We cannot even begin to comprehend. But among that, he also provided two trees, two trees that held eternal consequences accompanying them within the garden of Eden. Amen. And while Adam was told this, and no doubt his responsibility to also convey this to Eve later, amen, we understand how important these trees are, namely because one, the tree of life, we see at the end of the Bible as well. In heaven, in the book of Revelation, it speaks about a tree of life. So this is, this is not a Johnny-come-lately tree. This is a very important, integral tree, amen, that has eternal destiny that is tied to it. Now, here's the thing. God gives them the information, 
but he does not force them to comply with his wish. Gives them the information, but does not force them to comply. I would dare to say, I hope we try to follow the same type of pattern with the Lord that when we come here on services, I try to give the information, but I cannot force you, nor anybody else, your family cannot force you, cannot strong arm you to be in compliance with the wish of the Lord. What God wants for us to love him in such a way that we fall so madly in love with God that his wishes become our wish. His desires become our desire. In the Old Testament, it came to a place there were certain things that were detestable to God, loathsome to God, and again, he couldn't superimpose that on anybody that they would hate it the way that he hated it or dislike it the way that he disliked it, disliked it. What he needed was for someone to fall in a love relationship with him so that they would assume the same hates that he had and assume the same loves that they have. I have said this plenty of time, folks. There's certain things that I do as a married man because my wife loves and desires certain things. Amen. Amen. There, there, there's certain places I go. I, if I, you find me shopping, it's because my wife loves to shop. My goodness, let's just stay there for a while. What I'm telling you is this, is that of my own accord, if I had free time, the, probably near the last thing on my list is going to go shopping. And that's just me. I know other men are different, and that's fine, but that's last on my list. And so if you see me there, it's because I've just adopted the love and the desires of my wife, and I'm going to be there because she loves being there. And so it's not so much, <laughs> I love being there because she's there. Amen. So I start just to go with the flow and love what she loves and hates what she hates. And there's a, there's a trade-off there, of course, in the marriage. But concerning God, God wants us to get to a place we love him so much that we'll adopt the things that he loves as our own. And we'll adopt the things that he hates as our own. So he's not going to force compliance upon us. He wants us to do it from our own human will because we want to, because we love the Lord. Amen. You've got to be submitted to God. And that's right, we must be submitted to God. But submission cannot exist where choice is absent. Because true submission is an act of human will. It's an act of human will of its own volition. Not forced. Not, not forced, but an act of human will. And so for someone to truly be submitted, there is a choice that is involved there. A surrender. A giving up. A, a, a allowing yourself to be under, if you will, the control of another in that submission. And so there are those two trees. There's the tree of life. The apostle Peter spoke this. And God, you know, the Bible tells us that, that God wants to give his children good gifts. He does. He wants to give his children good gifts. He said if, if a son would ask, ask for a, a bread, would you give him a stone? Or, you know, the, if, your, if your earthly father wouldn't do that, then how much more would your heavenly father want to give good gifts to his children? He wants to give you good gifts. And so knowing then what he's given there and one forbidden, all this, this must be some tremendously good stuff that God was wishing to give, allow, be permissible for Adam and Eve. Notice what the apostle Peter says, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1 and verse number 3, the Bible states these words, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life 
and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue in other words God wants to provide some really good things by his divine power he's given all those things that pertain unto life for us godliness knowledge all these things God has given unto us amen and so when we understand this when we understand concerning the tree of life the tree of life was this they could eat of that tree and they would live forever and that's the reason why that the Lord, after they partaken of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, he banned them from the garden because he did not want them to go back and partake of the tree of life and live forever in a fallen state, in a sinful state. Amen. The tree offered some richness of blessings for life, for eternity. Amen. It was there. And it's natural for God want to give us life. Amen. And he is the giver of natural life. But the life that God offers is not just natural, it's spiritual as well. It's not just natural, it's spiritual as well. Whenever they partook of the tree in the garden, and the Bible says the day that they would, they would die, I understand they didn't eat of the fruit and then just kill over. Okay. A lot of people say, well, see, there's a lie in the scripture, they didn't die. But the moment that they ate of the tree, the process of death started in humanity. And that was not going to be the case from the beginning. That was not going to be the case from the beginning. The Bible says that sin brought death upon all men. Amen. Both in a natural sense, and if it's not taken care of through a new birth, a spiritual sense. So the day that Adam and Eve partook of the tree, I know they didn't just kill over, but they did start to die physically at that very moment. There was a process of death that entered their body that would be upon all mankind now whenever they would be born the day they're born would be the start of their death I'm sorry to bring the gloom and doom and despair to you but we're all, we're all just people dying here this morning in reality we are there are portions of our body are, are deteriorating the moment we start being born we're starting to already fall apart that's the reason why once you get to a certain age you say I feel like I'm falling apart well you've been falling apart ever since you've been born Amen. Just a word of encouragement this morning. <laughs> Come see me after church and I can probably tell you something else to help you out today. But you, you can go back and shake hands with Adam and Eve and say thank you for that. Amen. Because of, uh, of what? Because of their choice. Because of their choice, this passed on to all humanity. And, and there's a certain element that, you know, that's sad. You know, there is. I, I get it. I've never experienced, I never knew anybody that experienced eternal life, you know, as far as living upon this earth. So there, that's sad. But the greater of the two is this, is that it brought spiritual death. It brought spiritual death. And again, that has been passed unto all humanity in so much that we can't enter this world without already being spiritually dead. That's the way that we enter this world. We enter this world spiritually dead. Amen. Jesus made the, 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 the purpose very clear in John 10, 10. If you want to go there, Sister McGee, you may. But the Bible says, he said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But here's my purpose, he says. I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly that you might have it more abundantly eternal life was accessible to Adam from the tree in the garden 
It was accessible to Adam. Spiritual life, it was accessible to Adam in that garden. They partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It seemed like now we have a problem. We have an obstacle. We have a barrier. It cannot be, it cannot be resolved, if you will. But the tree that brought the spiritual death in their, their life by a similar mode, a tree on Calvary, spiritual life was given back to them. Lost in the garden by a tree, gained though in a mountain of Calvary, Golgotha, by a tree as well. Amen. And so the tree of life was readily accessible to Adam in the garden. It was in the midst of the garden. Anywhere that they went in the garden, uh, and we spoke of this, Brother Keith, that anywhere they went in the garden, they probably sooner or later was passing by in the midst of the garden, the tree of life. It was readily accessible to Adam and Eve, what could give them eternal life, if you will. And to flip the page to New Testament, I want to tell each and every one of us that the possibility of everlasting life for you and I is also accessible to every one of us. It is not quarantined to an isolated place where only a few people can get to it only if they have enough good works or it's not quarantined over here for the people that's had a legacy and a heritage of people being church that's only who no 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 no. it's accessible to each and every one of us it doesn't matter if we've been born in the church or born outside of the church it doesn't we're all born sinners but regardless your trajectory of life sinner liar cheater fornicator doesn't matter the tree of life is just accessible to you as it is me but it's our choice this, this is not squandered away and inaccessible to certain people the, 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 the apostle said in Acts chapter 17 and verse 27 whenever he had went to uh, Mars Hill and he took in their altar to the unknown God and some of their pagan thinkings and such of that matter he spoke to those people he said hey they that should seek you should seek the Lord if happily you might find him for he's not far from everyone he wasn't preaching to a bunch of apostles at that time he wasn't preaching to a bunch of Jews Jewish people at that time he was preaching to people that had pagan heathenistic ways and was telling them if you'll seek for the Lord if you feel after him you'll find him because he's not what's he saying he's accessible to each and every one of us it doesn't matter what your path in life may have, he's accessible I'm going to stand flat-footed here today and combat the, the, the mindset, amen, of people that have been taking advantage of the adversary and he takes advantage of them by putting guilt upon their shoulders and shame concerning decisions they made, perhaps in their life they're not too proud of and thinking that boarded up a path and an avenue that went to Christ and there's no way that they can get there now. I've come in the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. Come in the end today to tear down those walls and those thoughts that says I can't get to him because of where I've been or what I've done. That's not according to God's word. Salvation is acceptable to you. Salvation is God is accessible to you. It matters not. Someone say, it matters not. That tree damned up the way Calvary's tree opened it back up. They went to, used to, through a veil. A priest only went one year to the holies of holies. He was the only body that could do it, righteous enough, good enough, blood enough to do it. But whenever Calvary came, the Bible says the veil in the temple rent from the top to the bottom, giving access to whosoever will. There's not one thing that hell can damn up that God can't break loose. Hallelujah. 
Now back to teaching. There's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. It probably, that tree within itself probably had one of the more lasting effects on the human race except being the one that Christ died on in reality. One tree and their disobedience changed the whole simplicity of life that they had known up to that point in time. Eve, beguiled by the serpent, Adam, God spoke to him directly concerning all this, willfully disobeys God's commandments concerning this tree. And now, sin is going to have dominion over us. And so again, these trees teach us that as individuals, each person has a choice. The sad thing is this. The adversary, he's always devising alternates. He's always devising alternates. If the Lord will put one tree up so that we can have a choice, the devil will start making two or three more <laughs> just for the purpose of alternates. Something that you and I, you know, I know they want to just make us part of the animal kingdom. <laughs> you may have came from a monkey. I, I feel a little bit better about myself than that. <laughs> you know, that we came from the animal kingdom, but I understand from Scripture that, that, that mankind came from the dust of the earth, that you and I were the work of his hands. Not just a word that he spoke, that he brought other, but he, we are a work of his hands. We were the only ones, to my understanding of Genesis, that actually received the very breath of God into our nostrils and became a living soul. Man alone has that testimony of becoming a living soul. Amen. But whenever we start to follow the Lord by our own volition, we make a choice of change for the better of our lives. Amen. And I want to state this, make it very plain, concerning how important these choices are that we make, and that is this, that God does not rob a person of his will in order to save him. Now that's a strong statement, but God will not rob a person of their own will in order to save them. We read in New Testament Scripture, I believe it was, it might have been, I think it was the young man that came to him and said, Lord, what can I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? He tells him about keeping the commandments. Oh, I've done all these, Lord, from my youth up. What, you know, what, what else do I lack, you know? He said, well, if you would be perfect. He said, you just go sell all you have. You give it to the poor. Come and follow me. The Bible says that he walked away from that episode. And there's other episodes like that. And the Bible says, and this is paraphrased, this isn't verb. Uh, verbatim here what he says but the Bible says basically that Jesus let him walk away why because he wasn't going to he wasn't going to rob rob that person's will in order to save him the thing is if you choose to walk away the Lord will let you walk away he'll let you walk away amen if, if that is the choice you make now that's not to say he won't try to deal with you here and there and through means of persuasion of his spirit, try to pull you with his cords of love again. 
But he's not going to just dictate and demand this is the way that it's going to be. Amen. Someone say, I'm pleasurable. I'm pleasurable. You are. That's biblical. Revelation tells us that one of the things concerning God of everything that he made, some of these things, many of these things he made just to exist to bring pleasure to himself. Amen. Bring pleasure to himself. And so if you begin to consider this, one of my main purposes of existence upon this world is so that I'll bring pleasure to God. And if that's your purpose, then you must ask yourself then this question. Am I doing what I've been purposed for? Am I bringing pleasure unto the Lord? You say, now come on. No, really, think of it for a moment. I'm just going to, just as a fabled name, I hope. Let me pull one, Beulah. No one here is named Beulah, are they? (laughs) Praise the Lord. If you are, God bless you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That's kind of an archaic, more of an archaic name. But nevertheless, you know, Aunt Beulah comes in. She's not been around your family for 20 years. And you got a five-year-old. And you're saying, now, honey, go, go, go hug Aunt Beulah. Well, he hasn't, you know, this kid's never even met Aunt Beulah. And you're saying, go hug Aunt Beulah. And, and you're, you're, you're kind of indignant. Go hug, you know. You're wanting to be kind. And go to hug Aunt Beulah. And so the kid's being forced to go over there and hug Aunt Beulah. Never seen her before. Never been around her. And, you know, they go over there. And you can see as they're embracing, she's pinching the little kid's cheeks. You can see because you're the parent. You understand through the facial expressions, the mouth, the eyes, everything. You understand that this is not the most pleasurable moment for little Johnny right now while he is forced to hug Aunt Beulah. But on the contrary... On the contrary, in the same day comes through the doors Uncle Leroy. And Uncle Leroy takes little bud fishing and hunting and they go do things together without even being told. Your little youngster runs over and grabs the feet and the legs of Uncle Leroy and is just just, just doting all over Uncle Leroy of his own. So there is a difference, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there is a difference. Amen. Whenever it's something that comes out of your own will or if it's something that you have been forced to do because no true relationship can exist out of a person's willful choice. No relationship. No relationship. Amen. Uh, I broke up with my wife once and if you ever hear her story, she'll make sure she tells that part. Well, I know, but you're my wife now. If I broke with you and my wife, I guess that's it. I divorced my wife once. But I don't. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> and she'll always, she'll, she'll always highlight that point. And we got back together because I chose I wanted to, and she did too. She broke my heart whenever I said I wanted to be back with her, and she said no. I guess that proves to us, both people, in order for there to be a relation, it's got to want there to be one. But here's the fancy thing about all that. God never lets up in his wanting. I could have begged, pleaded, and tears in my eyes, but if she didn't want it, it wasn't going to ever happen. But the good thing about you concerning a relationship with God, he's always standing there with open arms, just waiting, desiring, wanting. He's just waiting on you to make a choice. 
He made his mind up a long, long, long time ago. He's just waiting. On. And so if it ever falls out, look, it's not a God problem. It's a human will problem. It's a human will problem. What I'm choosing or not choosing to engage in at that moment. Amen. And so what happens when we make these choices, and from early on as children, we start to make the association that choices do have consequences. At least I hope so as kids. My dad made it very plain that there's consequences to choices that I made, whether they be good or whether they be bad. There is an outcome that takes place. Amen. That actions have results. <laughs> and favorable actions have favorable results. Negative reactions have negative results. And so with that being said, our decisions never occur in some vacuum somewhere. They have impact. They have impact on our lives and sometimes the lives of others. The Bible states this. Peter declared, Peter declared this in 2 Peter 1 and verse 10. He says, Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling an election. I think I quoted this last week. An election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Amen. Our choices, that the ones that have eternal ramifications, our choices do help decide destinies. Our choices do help decide destinies. And we have the power and the freedom to make them. But here is something that you and I contend with, all of us painted under the same umbrella, and it's called our carnal or human nature. Human nature. Amen. Resident within our flesh. What does it do? It clouds my thinking sometimes. It causes me where I'd otherwise make the perfect decision to make a less than perfect decision, particularly pertaining to spiritual things, this human nature that I have. Amen. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, he talks about that, that there is a warring, he says, in my members. He says, that which I would do, I do not. And that which I shouldn't do, that I do. That is, in essence, the, P, the two P's in the same pod. The human nature and the nature of the spirit that war back and forth, back and forth. Each is buying for your attention, but you have a choice to make who you're going to subject yourself unto. Amen. And I can even say this, godly people at times even fall prey to giving over to the human nature. Noah became drunk, got naked in his own tent. Abraham lied about his wife. Human nature popping up. Jacob cheated. He did. More than once. Joseph's brothers took him, threw him in the pit. Samson fell to a harlot. He had kind of a woman problem that was overarching throughout his, his, his life, for that matter. Saul, because of the pride of his heart and his life, cost him the kingdom and being king. David sinned with his neighbor's wife. Solomon had a time that he had worshipped an idol. What are you talking about? I'm talking about what we would portray if we just named the name. Those are good people. They're good people still with a human nature that have choices and decisions to make just like you and I do. And with them comes the consequences as well. Amen. And so there's that tension that happens, amen, in our life. Is it going away? Not in this life. It's not going away in this life. But hopefully, not hopefully, it will in the life to come. But not this life. We're still with that choice. And the, and the great thing is, and sometimes it's great for those who are and it's not great for those who are not, some people are more decisive than others. 
Some people, you ask them something, man, it's not like they got to write a list of pros and cons or none of that. Man, they can make a choice. They can make a decision. Boom, got it. And there's others that they're troublesome. They're making their list of pros and cons. And they're asking other people in on the conversation about what needs to be done, what ought to be done. Amen. And some choices, of course, in life are a little harder to make than other choices. And some are short-term and some are long-term. And some might be pretty evident. The outcome of this is going to be good. The outcome of this is going to be bad. And so not to confuse one with the other, make it very plain today, when it concerns destiny for us after the afterlife, there's one that's going to be good, and there's one that's going to be bad. Amen. And so we don't have to ponder. We should not have to ponder much over those type of situations. This is what the Bible said in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. He's bringing, uh, Moses is bringing this before the children of Israel. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. And I have set before you life and death. Now let's just stop right there. Here we go. Here we go, students. Here we are today. We got a choice to make. Life or death. Which would you like to have? Well, no brainer. Life. He says, I set before you blessing and cursing. Here's our choice. Here's our decision. I want you to make it. Blessing or cursing? Blessing. I mean, it just seems to be a no-brainer. And see, and he went on to speak that both thou and thy seed may live. So there's some that seems to be very clear cut. But you know what? Our human nature will come in, start playing with our mind, and get us to start living for the moment rather than for the moments to come. And it will take a very simple, clear cut, it would seem, decision like that and make the waters murky. Mm-hmm. make the waters murky that's something that should be and pardon my, my, my phraseology here a no brainer of life or death blessing or cursing that there comes confusion and all that and now we're kind of standing there and we're living one way right now because well it just seems right for the moment the Bible says in the end of Joshua Joshua 24 that Joshua was presenting to the people toward the end of his leadership uh, prior to dying, he is presenting before the people some choices and some decisions to the children of Israel. Israel has always had a choice throughout their lifetime. In Joshua 24 and verse number 14, the Bible says, here's Joshua. He says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. He's calling them to attention today. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so what Joshua is doing in this moment, he's about ready to pass off being the leader. He's going to die so what he's doing one final time is putting the responsibility of the choice on the people. You must choose who you're going to serve. You must be. And this is the thing. He made it very clear that each person would choose for themselves. He wasn't choosing. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He said, but you need to choose. He says, serve the Lord. He's kind of pushed. He's kind of put a little pressure. Serve the Lord. 
But if that, if that seems evil to you, then serve the gods of those that are on the other side of, of Jordan or, or serve those on this side, the Amorites, serve their gods. But you've got to make a choice. The choice is up to you. Choose who you're going to serve. But I think there's something else that he demonstrated in all this and that others' choices need not sway your choice. In other words, you don't have to serve the gods of this land as others do. You don't have to serve the gods on the other side. You you don't allow others' choices to influence your choice because when it's all said and done, you give account for your decision, not what their decision was. We give an account for our own decision because there is really, there is no middle ground. You're either going to choose one or the other. And sometimes by trying not to choose, you've made a choice. Amen. Is everybody doing okay? Hallelujah. So God longs for a relationship with us. God doesn't per se need us, but he desires us. He wants us. To show how much he wants us, after the whole Genesis 3 episode with Adam and Eve, from that point forward, you know what God is on a mission for? Restoring that relationship that got broken between him and man. If that isn't a desire for God to have a relationship with you, I don't know what is. If that's not a desire that he would make himself a body come down so that body would have flesh and blood and allow it to be broken as it's termed so that blood to run out if that's not a desire then I don't know what is amen H.E. Fodstick said this he said he who chooses the beginning of a road chooses the place it leads to it is the means that determines the end it is the means that determine the end if you'll stand with me this morning, I'll try to hasten to a close here. And so what are you saying then this morning? We have the freedom of choice, but I want to caution us with this, and that is don't spend more time and mental energy on choices that affect this life than you do the life hereafter. Because we take great effort. Where are we going to live? How much money are we going to spend on the house? We'll search, we'll search car, car trading magazines and the internet and drive over 400 miles in one day to several different car lots to pick the vehicle. <laughs> Don't spend more time and mental energy on choices that are just going to affect this life rather than the life that is here after. Amen. Can we bow our heads in this place this morning? Father, I come to you today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.